Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Dave and producer JL, John Luke Shapiro. And we are back after an unplanned one-week hiatus. Uh, and Dave is back from the, let's call it, parenting wilderness. Uh, Dave, if you, <laughs> missed, if you missed one more show, I was going to tell the audience that you were just voted off the island. So we're happy you're here. Um, how you doing, man? We haven't heard from you since the start of the season. Well, I missed that music. I really didn't miss the intro music, so glad to be back. Um, I wish I could say I am alive and well. I am definitely alive, but I am definitely sleep-deprived. My second-born is very, very cute, and she's lucky that she's very, very cute. We'll just go with that. (laughs) The less maybe said, the better there. No, it's... uh... We're great to it's great to have you back, Dave. Uh, JL, you've been you know you've been uh, bouncing around. You've been to a bunch of games so far this year. Um, we are recording this on Tuesday. The Rangers are actually playing in about an hour uh, from this current time, so we will not be able to talk about uh, any of the specifics of what happened in the Calgary game. Of course, this is part of the uh, the nine forty five start. A little unorthodox part of the whole NHL frozen frenzy thing where. All 16 teams are playing. They've staggered the start times of the games by about you know 15 minutes each. Um, I have it on in the background. I think it's I think it's really good so far. I don't know if you guys like have it. any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly do. I was always a big I fan. I have not of, had uh, a chance to watch it yet. So, yeah, I was yeah, always I mean, a big fan of um, what is it called? Uh, Red Zone, right? I love Red yeah. Zone. Seven hours of uninterrupted football. So it's like, hey, you know, hey, hey, hey it's back. seven hours of commercial free, commercial football. free. Get it right. Okay, sorry, Dave. Okay, gosh, get with the program. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, uh, no, it's it's cool though. I like it. They they've got Butcher Gross and Kevin Weeks, and I'm assuming they'll have some other people uh, on as well because it's going to be a long night. And it's just cool to bounce around. Except now I'm watching a commercial for I don't know what this product is, but I won't. Yeah, there say goes it. the commercial free part. Um, but unreal. <laughs> Yeah, listen, well, first of all, look, the NFL is is its own beast with the whole commercial free thing. They can get away with that. Most most places can't. They got to pay the bills. The NFL's bills seem to be paid uh, because it makes so much damn money. But, um, you know, look, the NFL uh, owns Sunday over Jesus. So, yeah. Yes, they won. <laughs> They're good. They, 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 they beat they beat uh, organized religion. Um, it's uh, and for a lot of people, it is organized religion, right? Um, no, listen, it, I think it's cool. I think that, um, you know, and I, I tweeted about this. There's a bit of a rant earlier if you want to find it on, on my feed, but you know, look, it, it, fans have been wanting something like this for years. And then when the NHL finally announced they were doing it, everybody complained about it. It was, no, it's on a Tuesday. Why are they doing it on this day? And blah, blah. And there, there are all these like complaints. And I'm like, can we just see how it goes first? When and the hell else again, were they supposed to do it? Well, exactly right. ESPN. They can't not do a Sunday. You... They can't do a Saturday. They can't do a Thursday. They can't do a Monday. You know, football yeah, I mean, kind of they... runs this country, whether it be college or pros. Well, there's Even that, and then also field. look, right, and it's also it's so early in the year that this is a good time to test it, right? It's the first time they've ever done anything like this, so see how it goes. I mean, look, I think you know it's Shayna Goldman who you know one of the the you know premier hockey writers now, which is amazing to say because she started from you know, the little, I shouldn't call it little, but our sort of Rangers blogging community. Um, you know, Shane has been making the point that this is something that would really be great to see on Saturdays. Maybe not every Saturday, but but a lot, most Saturdays in the spring, you know, heading into the end of the year. And and if you look at the NHL schedule, because of Hockey Night in Canada and, and those traditions, most teams do play on Saturday. So even if you're not going to have 16 games, right? Even if you have seven or eight games staggered, right? Between 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. or 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I also think you could do something where you um, do a day like this, but then you stick the winter classic at the end of it, right? So you start the day at like one o'clock. You do seven hours of, you do seven hours of hockey, right? And then you have the winter classic. It's kind of the, just like football, right? And and of course, We were talking about the NFL. How does every Sunday end with Sunday night football, the premier game of the week, right? So you do that. You just do that model with hockey, right? You have you have a bunch of games 
and then you lead up to your kind of like crown piece, uh, you know, the crown jewel, the outdoor, the big outdoor event. So that's just one idea, free idea for the NHL. I don't know if they'll, anybody over there is going to listen to our show, but, um, so far so good on frozen frenzy. And, and obviously the Rangers have that unorthodox nine 45 Eastern start tonight, uh, up in Calgary, but you know, on the subject of the Rangers. So, so we're going to kind of take it, uh, I think the best way to have this discussion, and then we're going to get to all the questions cause we've got two weeks worth to get to, um, one of the interesting facets of this year is that it's actually started a lot like last year where you're looking at the Rangers process and it's actually quite good. They are generally out playing teams and that is showing up on the shot clock and on the advanced metrics, the expected goals share and all that. Um, the results so far have been okay, right? Three and two, um, two very good wins, one solid win. Uh, one kind of bad loss against Columbus and one awful loss versus Nashville. So a little bit uneven results wise. Um, I'm not counting that Columbus loss is a bad loss because I'm not either. That was the only game that I was able to actually watch in full and they played fine. They had two disallowed goals, which took a lot out of them. And then, you know, Igor looked like crap. You know, he had a bad game. Yeah, but they all, and and to that point, Dave, they also had like 95 shot attempts. Like, I, you know, it's, and I think even, you know, Laviolette said that he's like, look, we lost five, one, but I had no problem with our effort. Like our effort was good. And we kept, you know, pounding away at it to try and get back in the game. So no, I agree with you. Um, that said, you know, uh, it's good to see where the Rangers are at process wise, but, but the point I just made stands last year under Gerard Gallant, they came out of the gates pretty hot. Um, and things seem to be working except for the shooting luck and the goaltending, right? And that led to some less than desirable results, a couple of blown leads. And then all of a sudden the lines went in a blender and that was kind of that. So I think my question to, to kick this off is, and I'll start with you, Dave, I want to get your thoughts as well, JL. What's different about this year? If anything, is it sustainable? Can the Rangers keep this up and actually be a reliable, you know, uh, team in terms of puck possession and scoring chances, you know, what do you think? I, I, yes. I think so. Yes. I think so. Because if you look at the way that the team is constructed between this, this season and last season, the main difference obviously is, you know, Gerard Gallant versus Peter Laviolette. Laviolette has shown a willingness to, you know, keep things together, not mess with or tinker things when they go sour and yeah, even though Gallant did keep the same lines together for about 13 games, you could tell everything was a bit on edge and they weren't as structured. I think the difference between this season and last season is, like I said, you know, the structure and just just they just look more engaged, you know, not that, you know, Panarin and them were not, you know, fully into it, but they just seem like a different monster this year. Now, obviously, the the first line and Kako Sabanajad and Kreider have not really taken off just yet, but you get a lot of, you know, a lot of in zone time that we didn't see last year, you know, even just on the eye test. Yeah. Metrics could have looked good, but they were, they were just blowing past teams last season, just off of talent alone. Now we have talent and structure. I think they could definitely keep it up. Laviolette seems like the kind of guy that could definitely keep this going. They're going to run into some spots. Of course, obviously that's every team in the league, but I, I think they'll find a way to manage through. And I think they'll be fine. It's very encouraging. I mean, there's more depth on this team too. And yeah, point, the reason why we're not getting some of those results yet. Nashville game not in notwithstanding here, but the Rangers are shooting seven percent at even strength right now. Last year it was nine percent. That's a sig- it doesn't sound like a significant difference, but it is. And goaltending is starting to creep up again. They're at ninety one point seven five percent last year at even strength. It was like ninety two and a half. So mm-hmm. the puck luck hasn't like last year. The puck luck isn't necessarily with them yet, but the difference is that structure. And I saw in the group chat, uh, this was the, one of the first games I couldn't, I think it was the home, the actual season opener. I couldn't really watch it. The broadcast was raving about the one, three, one with the Rangers protecting the lead. When was the last time the Rangers were protecting a lead, but didn't turtle while protecting? Oh, them? it was great. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you, I was there yeah. for that. That was fantastic. Like just just to see them just not relent and, you know, keep it deep, move the puck around. They suffocated Buffalo, you know, 
I, you know, I was lucky enough to be there, like I said, and I really, what I was doing outside of my friend basically pestering me because he is a Sabres fan. I wanted to look at how the players would, first of all, respond to a nice lead. And secondly, how do they respond after getting a goal scored on? Obviously, that one goal that was scored was off of, uh, you know, JJ Paterka picked up a block shot. But if you look at the way that they were basically operating was that they weren't letting up, you know, like, like one of you guys said, it's like, you know, they get a lead and then they turtle. They just sit back and let the other team come to them. It resulted in a lot of bad games last season. They were firmly on the pedal as they were winning. You know, even mm-hmm. even even at the end of the game, I think they had a power play, if I can remember correctly. They had a power play and they were still moving the puck around ridiculously quick. You know, they were, you know, in position. Whenever Buffalo tried to do something extra, they picked it off that easy. So it, it, it's really nice to see them, you know, take to the, the system and, and adapt to it, you know, game by game ups and downs. Yeah. And there's a difference between, you know, slightly shifting your tactical sort of plan, which is what they do when they have a lead, you know, versus turtling. Right, Dave. And, and I think part of what, and again, this is the difference in the coaching where, you know, Gallant just isn't, does not have the level of detail, frankly, that LaViolette has. I think, you know, Gallant was always just kind of like, a, you know, let the players play, give them kind of a, you know, rough, rough, uh, you know, structure to go by and then let them execute, um, which can work and has worked. Gallant's had some good teams. He's obviously gotten to a Stanley Cup final, got the Rangers to the conference final. But, you know, the 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 adjustment from, you know, we're going to be, super hard on the forecheck to, all right, well, if the puck goes in and we don't have a clean chance at recovery, we kind of drop back in that one, three, one, but you know, we're not letting teams through the neutral zone. The difference is, you know, under Gallant, it was kind of like, all right, well, we'll run our regular forecheck. But what that means is either we're going to get caught and we're going to give up odd man rushes, or we're going to play it ultra conservative because, you know, it's human nature takes over. All right, we're up a goal. We're up two goals. I don't want to be the guy to, to, to make the mistake. So we'll sit back and then all of a sudden the other team's in your zone. And then, you know, Dave, our, our least three favorite words happened a lot in the, uh, in that circumstance, which was glassing out, right. They, they would, they would, they're they're They would not try to exit the zone with any possession or in any real, real structured way. They would just chuck it off the glass and try and change. And for those who have not been reading recently about our systems post or anything, the glassing out is a turnover. It's a fucking turnover. I am so done with the glass. And we've had three coaches now that preached glass and out in a row Four Tortorella too. just mm-hmm. I'm done with it. It's a turnover. Enough is enough. I'm so happy. We have not only a coach that preaches a structured breakout with zone exits, a coach that doesn't turtle and still, but he adjusts to the lead and that third one is adjust to in-game scenarios, not just with the system, with a, with having a different offensive zone forecheck to a neutral zone forecheck, but also sitting certain players like Blake Wheeler, who are not mm-hmm. defensively sound, and getting the right guys out there for an offensive zone faceoff, for a defensive zone faceoff. He's actually deploying lines the way the roles should be which is something we were promised under Gallant and never got we got oh mm-hmm. hey we got all these lines with roles and then Gallant shit himself and put the kid line back together and that was that yeah or he would or he would you know he basically put Barkley Goodrow in the top six when he oh, needed to God. you know when he needed a I don't know send a message or quote-unquote tighten up team defense no I yeah. mean Dave that's a great point you made um and, and something that I actually wrote about a rare uh written appearance for me on the blog, I guess, at least in recent years. Um, but I'm on, you know, I'm on my, way. I, well, thank you. And I, I'm going to try and I do have the time I am on a paternity leave at the moment. So uh, maybe more where that came from, but you know, look in the Arizona game, Rangers were up two one, they ended up winning two one. Uh, the, the thing that stuck out to me was just two minutes and 40 seconds left. Uh, they get an offensive zone draw. And in my head, I'm watching the game. I'm like uh, the game. I'm like, all right, He's probably going to put the fourth line out here. The third line had just been on the ice. It was the Cooley Trocheck Wheeler line that was out there. They got the puck in the offensive zone. I think they forced the goalie to make a save and freeze the puck. I was like, all right, well, here comes the fourth line, right? He's going to put Benino out there, and 
you know, we're going to, we're going to, that's what it's going to be. And that's what Gallant would have done. That's what AV would have done. What does uh, Laviolette do? He puts out the Heedle Panarin uh, Lafreniere line, which I just think is, think about that, that, right? You have, you've got the, those two kids, right? Who every other coach was scared shitless to put out on the ice in any sort of key defensive situation, no, regardless of the location of the faceoff. Um, Panarin is not known for his defense, obviously. And what happens? The draw actually isn't even a win. It's a tie. Uh, the Rangers end up with it, but the puck gets cleared at a certain point, but they come back in about five seconds later and they had about 45 seconds of sustained zone time. I, I don't even think they had a shot on goal, but that's the point exactly there, right? Not turtling, right? Remaining aggressive and trusting your players, right? I mean, Laviolette's talked about this and you know, even some of the quotes have almost, you know, I don't think they are because I think he's a respectful and respected guy, but it's just funny the way the quotes sound. They almost sound like direct shots at Gerard Gallant, right? Kind of like this is directly opposite of what the last coach would have done. These younger guys need more opportunities. That's why they're in the top six. And and I'm not going to go away from them uh, in terms of deployment, you know, even late in a game protecting a lead. So that was such a breath of fresh air for me. Uh, as a fan who, you know, watches really closely and and expected to see the fourth line in that scenario. I do think they, they came out for a shift uh, after that, but that was a defensive zone draw. And then he, you know, then he was doing things like he was putting Trocek on the ice in uh, in Kako's spot because you have somebody else out there who's defensively responsible but can also win a draw, right? So just all these little things that are, I think, adding up to, again, I keep using the word, the word detailed, right? Highly detailed um, tactically sound coaching that, that has just been missing from this team. I don't have anything else to add to that. that was... Well, so let's, let's go back to the original, uh, question then, you know, and I guess you guys both said yes, um, that it's sustainable, but I guess my main maybe worry is, you know, look, we're looking at these line combinations now. They're probably not going to be the line combinations at the end of the year, right? I mean, if they played 82 games or the majority of 82 games with these line combinations, I think we would all be shocked. I just, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. That said, um, you know, are we in a little bit? Could this be a honeymoon period, right? That That's, I think, where I'm going with this is, and that might be the the slight, you know, maybe only cause for concern, quote unquote, is, all right, Lavi, let's, it's a fresh voice in the room. You know, he's a, he's a very, you know, skilled motivator in addition to being, you know, uh, very, you know, sort of tactically astute. Um, you know, could this be a honeymoon period though, right? And could it just be the new coach bump that every team, every team seems to get? Um, I don't know. I mean, that's my only, that's my last thought. Uh, injuries will start playing a factor here at some point. That's- We're going to see somebody in the top nine go down for a week or two. And at that point, I think we'll get a better idea of where Laviolette's mindset is with injury replacements and who would be on the who would be the first one up from the fourth line to play in the top nine. And my worry is still that it's going to be Goodrow when it should be VZ, mm-hmm. but it depends on the position, it depends on the situation, it depends on the opponent, it depends on whether or not. VZ's game who can't even beat out Tyler Pitlick clean yet so depends on where his game is um will they call somebody up like Brennan Othman which I doubt they will right away but maybe he pulls a I think was it step on no McDonough got called up mid-season that year mm-hmm. um McDonough yeah I'm trying to remember if the Rangers had any forwards that just got called up mid-season and stuck we had that one year where McDonough got called up and Stu Pickle got called up. <laughs> yeah, well, and I was going to say, you, you can't even count uh, Kreider in that because obviously he came up yeah, for the playoffs. playoffs. And, but even the next two seasons, he was bounced around. He went back to the AHL for a little bit. He was a healthy scratch. Like, it took him a few years to really stick. So, um, yeah, maybe I mean, you listen, could say I Matt Zuccarello? Maybe Matt Zuccarello. Uh, was he a that midseason call up, or uh, I thought well, all of a sudden with AV he just stuck and that was it? Well, he did get bounced up and down. Uh, yeah, he he, bo- he bounced up and down from Hartford to the Rangers, and then there was a time in the strike shortened year or the lockout shortened year, excuse me, that he came up from Hartford 
and never went back down. And then obviously with AV getting fired, you know, there were the questions surrounding, you know, how long is he going to be here? And then Zuccarello just basically turned, you know, he went off. So he never went back down. So he was called up, you know, it, it was a bit difficult to say what is midseason in during that year, but he was for, he wasn't hard for it. They brought him up and cause he, he played, he ended up playing some games after the trade deadline. Um, and he was slotted with, uh, brad richards for some reason and then you know we knew what happened the following season so that could probably be the best example of that you know just from recent memory so i guess back to my point is we won't see these lines for the entire year because injuries are going to happen i if let's say the rangers never have any bumps and bruises and everybody in the starting lineup plays 82 games except for that vz and pitlick swap I don't think these lines would get broken up. Wow. You think he would just stick with them and maybe like maybe a, a game here, a game there to jolt them back. They're working. Yeah, I mean, they're working. I know. Well, they're working so well that, you know, if you look at, and there's all sorts of different, obviously, you know, everybody's model slightly different. And are you looking at hockey viz or money puck or natural statric, but you know, money puck has the line, uh, you know, breakdowns. I think they have two of them are in the top 10, the Criders of Jack Kako, and actually that Cooley Trocheck Wheeler line, which, you know, look, I know everybody's looking at Blake Wheeler right now as like the weak link. And look, he doesn't look good. Not a but, weak link. Give me no, a but look, there's been a lot of like, you know, talk about, you know, he's basically, you know, he's just kind of there. He's not really providing much value, which I think is fair, but he's also not hurting the team, you know, and that, and, and that line is actually getting really good results and they're, and they're doing their job too. I mean, look that, and, and I got to say like, you know, Vincent Trocek, I, I think he deserves a ton of credit for accepting the role that Laviolette's assigned him to, which is third line center behind Philip Hedl, no longer with Panarin. He's probably not going to score 60 points Trocek, but I think he's at a point which he did last year. He had 64 points. I think he's at a point in his career where he would rather win he got his big contract from the Rangers. I think he's, it's much more important for him to win than it is to, you know, keep up scoring totals. So, um, but that line's doing its job. They allow nothing, you know, they generate enough, you know, Will Cooley's good for a scoring chance or two a game. And he, and he, he almost set up Wheeler for a goal. He's almost set him up a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can tell you if we, if, and when Wheeler gets one, it's probably going to come from Will Cooley's stick. So um, no, David, I mean, I, it's funny that you say that because, I can't think of a configuration that makes more sense. Like the lines are extremely balanced. They all have, um, you know, with the exception of the fourth line, but the fourth line is truly a, a shutdown line. They can all score. They all have an element of heaviness to the game. You know, the Rangers do play a, a more physical grinded out brand of hockey under Laviolette. It's not as freewheeling and finesse based as it was under, uh, AV or Gallant, you know, and I know, uh, Quinn didn't want that, but he really couldn't, you know, uh, the players didn't like him enough to respect what he was asking them to do, frankly. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I just, that's just what it was, right? I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't respect him and they, they, they stopped listening. So, and they played Which the way they wanted to, play. to think about, honestly, it is. Yeah. And you know, maybe he, maybe that was Quinn's own doing, maybe it was just, you know, he was slightly in over his head. I, I don't know, but you know, I, I think the point is, is that you're right. Like, uh, why mess with a good thing? And 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 already Laviolette's shown that even after a very bad game, the Nashville game, which was legitimately terrible across the board, he stuck with the lines and he said, "Look, I want to see the team respond. I don't want to go and tinker with things this early." So, I mean, I'm I'm incredibly encouraged by that. I mean, I. I want to go back to the respect for the coaches and this is going, this is dedicated to all those that say a coaching change doesn't matter. When you have one coach, David Quinn, who insisted on basically as fast as you possibly can get to the puck and that's it. And didn't really tailor anything to the skill level of his lines. And then you have Gallant who, didn't even, you know, say hi to his players. He didn't get to know mm-hmm. any of them. He didn't get to know them on a personal level. They were just <laughs> there. Like, they were cardboard cutouts to him. And when you have, what what that what was that, five years, basically, of coaches like that, 
you're going to respond to somebody who's an actual human fucking being. And that's what Labiolette is. Sometimes you just need the right voice to get the right performance out of these guys. And I'm not going to say I was huge on Laviolette. Out of all the options, he was the best one. I didn't really like it as an option. But he was the he so far has been the right voice for this team. So far. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I, I want to, and then we'll get to the questions. Um, the thing that I think is, is so um, such a stark uh, example of all that Dave is, is how Panarin is playing under Laviolette. You know, mm-hmm. he's completely engaged. Uh, Laviolette double shifts him in every period. He pretty much finds two or three chances uh, or I'd say one <laughs> or two chances per period to double shift him usually for Blake Wheeler. Uh, but sometimes for Kako or sometimes it's happened across the board. It's not just picking on Blake Wheeler. Um, and Panarin has responded. And I think that, you know, Laviolette has, frankly, has a really deep respect for Panarin's game. And I think that that's one of those things that, you know, uh, again, that human factor, right? Like Gallant seemed very happy to focus on the negative, right? Where it was like, he's hanging on out on the perimeter. He's not forechecking, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, uh, you know, Laviolette's been saying, Hey, look, he, he actually really does pay attention to the defensive side of the puck. And offensively, he's such a great playmaker. You want him out there when he's rolling, you want to play him 18, 19 minutes a night. So I think you just see that response and it's, and it's, it's something that's just huge for this team because they need the best version of Artemi Panarin that they can possibly get. Absolutely. I, I concur with that 100%. And it and, and, and real quick, before we get to the questions, I just wanted to add my point to that. You know, as a fan, it's it, it's really frustrating to see a team that has so much talent. And, and if you look at the team just on paper alone, you know, even from the previous seasons, it's like, you know, how come this team hasn't had, you know, more success? You know, obviously they had that one playoff run, but, you know, you mix in the Quinn years and even some of the you know, the AV years, some of the rosters were fundamentally flawed, but throughout the years, the team had talent, but they could just never get it right. And you wonder, you know, especially with last season, why is it that this team is was so damn talented? You know, even with the additions of Kane and, and uh, Tarasenko, it's like, what is it about that, that they just couldn't do anything, you know? And I'll harken back to, you know, when I went to uh, one of the games in Buffalo uh, towards the end of the season last year, I'm I'm watching them play and they were just loafing around. You know, it, it was kind of similar to what they looked like the difference the differences between when AV got fired transitioning into David Quinn and like you mentioned there's that, you know, kind of high, you know, for the new coach. And then you also saw the same with, you know, David Quinn them being really tight towards the end of his tenure to when Gallant came in and and they were just freewheeling it and having a good time. So mm-hmm. You know, obviously we, you know, just discussed the differences on why it'd be sustained, but you know, now you see them play with a little bit more of a purpose and the talent is really beginning to come through with the system. And it's just amazing that this is the first time in such a long time that we're really beginning to see this come to fruition. Cause you know, as much as we like to dunk on Panarin, you know, his lack of playoff success and, and Kako and, and Lafreniere and it, it, the, the talent is there. But the right voice, like you said, is Laviolette for the time being. And hopefully it can come into some sort of success because, honestly, it's getting really tiring to see this group of guys who are so good just consistently fall up short. And then to see teams who are worse than the Rangers do better because they have the right things in place to propel them to where they need to go. But I digress. Yeah. No. uh, And we'll get to the questions if you want to pull those up, JL. But look, so far, to a man, the players have all responded. And it's great to see. So. we will see how, if it continues. And, and obviously, um, you know, I think like you said, Dave, I think injuries potentially become a factor. They always pop up. Um, other than that though, I think is the better this team and, and this team should get better too, as they get to know the system. So, um, I'm sure we'll get into this stuff more in the questions. There's a lot there. So JL take it away. All right, here we go. I'm not going to play the goal horn. I don't want to scare Dave yet. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it, at the very out. least, it will <laughs> jolt me awake for the questions. Because look, you want I, me to? Because I'll press run- the button. I'm running on caffeine and fumes at this point. I'll press the button <laughs> if you want me to. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll- Since we've been talking about it, 
I say skip it so that we don't just, you, you know, <laughs> cater to my needs. Okay. All right, David. Okay, here we go. So <laughs> we're going to, we're going to, we got, we got a couple of questions. So we've got some time to take care of it. So the first question, or maybe this isn't a question, but this is more of like a statement than anything, being that this is Tyler, one of our own. He goes, the vibes are great. So we should totally bring back Kane, right? <laughs> Couldn't be more sarcastic if I tried. That's actually an interesting topic to bring up, though. But, you know, I'll let you guys go. Tyler, first. you're fired. I was hoping. <laughs> I was hoping. And I said this a bunch last year, too. I really didn't want to say his name unless we absolutely had to. And we had to because they did trade for him. Uh, right. and, and I think we were all on board. Look, I, I mean, in the end, we're fans of the team. Right. And they were getting a star player and we were kind of hoping it would work. But clearly it didn't. Uh, the famous uh, Patrick Kane workout video that his agency put up a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, their best attempt at an NBA workout video, which are all the rage during the summer. It means nothing. Uh, if you look at the evidence, and I've read uh, a few articles about this, the guys that have had this surgery, Nicholas Backstrom, the most recent example, he was a shell of his former self. This is a serious thing for a hockey player. If you've got bad hips, you've got nothing uh, the mm -hmm. surgery does not really uh, seem to have great outcomes. And I, all that stuff we just talked about, right? Uh, not, you know, not only, uh, you know, just the, the way the team has responded, but the sustainability of this and wanting to keep these line combinations together because they're so balanced and so effective. All the, And plus the vibes are good, which again, we haven't really talked that much about that, but they are. All that mm -hmm. stuff goes out the window if you bring back Patrick Kane. So I couldn't agree more with Tyler, and and it doesn't make any sense uh, cap wise. I I know they could do it, quote unquote, but it doesn't even make sense from that perspective. Um, I think if they want to replace Blake Wheeler, if he really is kind of a, a zero, then they'll go within the organization. They'll give some young guys a shot, or they'll they'll make a trade like for a guy like Kevin LeBanc, who looks like he's on the outs in San Jose. So. Um, that's my thought on Kane. I think you, I think you go nowhere near it and I hope we don't have to entertain six or eight or 10 weeks of those rumors again this year. Cause I'll want to put a fork in my eye. I mean, from a blog <laughs> traffic standpoint, all these Kane rumors are great. Cause I literally write eight words. Hey, Kane is per this person. Kane is going to go to the Rangers for X, Y, Z. And then it gets like 10,000 hits. Like, great, thanks. But me writing it, I want to gouge my eyes out. It's just oh, it's so dumb. Like, First off, they don't have the cap space. Second off, there's no roster fit. Whereas last year there was until they traded for Tarasenko and then they just forced Kane in after. And third, do you really want to do all that again after the cap gymnastics that they had to go through to land him where they played with like four skaters for a week. Oh gosh. It's just like, uh, why, listen. why are we going back to this again? They don't even have the roster holes this year. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up as well, Dave, because for as bad as last year was, which it was, um, they did get their act together and yeah, the metrics dipped a little bit, but they were getting better results. They had a really good January. If I remember correctly, and then that all turned around when they had to start playing the short roster game. Also, by the mm -hmm. way, coinciding with a, a big Ryan Lindgren injury, which he should have been put on LTIR for to create. Oh, yeah. God. Again, uh, that let's, was let's bad. not go down that yeah. road. But, uh, you know, basically that that kind of ruined any momentum and flow that the team had. And then they never got it oh, back. Yeah. And there was just this assumption that they would flip the switch. and. Uh, they would flip the switch and they would be good in the playoffs. And that's, it doesn't work that way. And they learned it the hard way last year. I think that Chris Drury, you know, look, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not like an unabashed fanboy, but I think he's smart enough to know that you don't go down that road again. No. So we, obviously we all know that, you know, and this was very, you know, well speculated, well, not speculated, but well documented that, uh, Patrick Kane was not someone Chris Drury wanted to get. Obviously, we're all in the agreement that this was a Jim Dolan, you know, Jimmy Boy's uh, idea. And the basically, like you said, the fact that he forced his way here because Chicago was definitely not going to try and not get anything for him. So obviously, you do your due diligence, you know. Um, they, I, I don't want to say I'm conflicted on this. Do I 
as a hockey player, do I like Patrick Kane? Yes, I do. I won't hide that. I'm not a fanboy of his, but, you know, obviously old Patrick Kane, the elite Patrick Kane, you know, the one that used to be able to rely on both his hips was one of the greatest American born is probably the greatest American born player on, on, you know, on the planet, basically at this point. Um, do they need to do it? No. Do I want them to do it? No. But if the option was there and the team really needed it, and it was sort of like a cheap option where you can have them as like an extra skilled forward and the cap is there. It has to be a lot of caveats, you know, in order for me to want this to happen. But if the opportunity presented itself, like, let's just say, you know, and I don't mean to say this with any ill will, but let's just say something happens to Blake Wheeler or Blake Wheeler does not end up turning out the way that he's supposed to. Obviously, the ideal replacement for Blake Wheeler on that line is Brendan Othman. But let's just say the organization all of a sudden decides not to want to bring up Othman and let him cook in Hartford for a little bit. So you got a guy who's basically running on one and a half hips, somewhat healthy, you can say. After November, they'll have a little bit more cap. You don't want to go and trade assets for a player because, you know, outside of like Kevin LeBanc, I forget how much he makes, local kid too. You know, if they don't somehow get him, which I think he'd be a really good option, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. Obviously, I would have rather have had Tarasenko, but obviously, you know, Vlad took the money and he wanted to be a Ranger, but there was obviously no room for it. That would have been the perfect fit for this team. But, you know, if it's there, and they say, hey, Pat, come in, see what happens. I'm not going to get too upset about it because, I mean, half of a hip of Patrick Kane is probably better than most of the third lines. And if you're giving him limited minutes, third lines getting carried by Trocek, who he did very well with last season, if it were to happen, I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world, honestly. JL, JL, can you please just start listening to Shakira? The hips don't lie. (laughs) Well, Dave, I agree, though. It's It's not the most ideal thing, but let's just say all the options have been exhausted. I'm saying, hey, all this has happened, and we need something to go to. You know, PVC or Pitlick gets taken care of and sent somewhere or whatever, and you have an empty spot. Blake Wheeler finds some way, you know, worst case scenario. It's not the worst thing in the world, but again, I don't want it to happen, so... I just the yeah, hips I, don't lie, or in this case, his <laughs> half a hip doesn't lie. He can't. Do you know how important it is to need your hips to skate? I'm well aware of that. I watch Capo Caco and I watch Yarmer Yager every night, so I do get that. I do. Well, as Yager you, as used you his guys hips too. and his ass to shield the puck from everybody for 50 years, which is he still does. So I can't believe he still plays. By the way, that's yeah. fantastic. I um, we spend way too much time talking about stupid Patrick Kane. <laughs> Thanks, you Tyler. Know, <laughs> Let's let Buffalo worry about Patrick Kane. That's where I think yeah, he he's, goes. Yeah, he's going to go there. It's either Buffalo or Detroit. So, And it's going to work out for him there because it's his hometown. Anyways, I don't think Detroit question. would want him, honestly. Yeah, go ahead. Go. Yeah, let's no, no, go. No. Let's get off this. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Damn I think it, Tyler. We talked, yeah, I think we talked about this already, but we can uh, just kind of rehash it real quick for our friend Bill Seussbill, Mr. Cougar Colleen Camp. He says, I know it's super early, but – do we have a potential issue at third right wing? I think the line is playing extremely well, but Wheeler's been short shifted in the last in the third, the last two games. I think we covered part yes. of this, but I don't think there's a problem. That line is looking great. Um, they are what sixty percent in both shot share and expected goal share. They're over 65% in their high danger chance share or something to that effect. And Wheeler's just not good defensively. So this is Laviolette adjusting to his team and not playing La- not playing Laviolette and not playing Wheeler in defensive situations. Yeah. Also, I, look, I, it, I, I think it's, uh, again, telling both in terms of the types of players that they brought in, as well as, you know, LaViolette, excuse me, you know, being a good communicator that the guys who are receiving maybe less ice time or or different roles, Trocheck I mentioned earlier, Wheeler, right? Look, Wheeler came in and was very transparent in in all of the interviews he did. Like, I'll do whatever they need me to do. And I think he knew this was going to be predominantly a bottom six, you know, i.e. third line role. Um, and I think, I think he's fine with that. And I think if, you know, 
if Laviolette goes to him uh, or went to him at some point within the last two weeks or before the season started and said, hey, look, if Bread's going, he's going to get some extra shifts and it's probably going to be on that line with Trocek because he's got some history there, you know, because, you know, it's Panarin, right? He's one of the premier offensive players in the game. Um, I think Blake Wheeler's fine with that. You know, I think people, uh, you know, you tend to worry about, you know, oh, is this going to affect the morale of the team, right? Guys are getting their ice time played around with. And, you know, sometimes you're watching a game as a fan and it's like a little bit unsettling when the lines are changed because you're like, oh, well, what's going, you know, why did they do this? And, you know, especially now it's like, you don't want to mess with a good thing. So um, I think, you know, Blake Wheeler losing a couple of shifts a game is not a big deal at all, uh, especially for Artemi Panarin. So I agree. And and to your point, Dave, they don't have a problem on that line right now at all. That's a really solid line. Uh, It's going to take, they're going to get their four or five shifts a period and they're going to do their job. So um, yeah, I agree. Also worth noting that Wheeler is 38 years old. Maybe it's just a tactic to keep him fresh for the playoffs. You know, you start doing it now. Brand new system, brand new city for Blake Wheeler too. I mean, look, Jacob Truba, much younger player, um, had it took him a full year plus to adjust to New York. Uh, There are plenty of players throughout the year that, that, throughout the years, excuse me, under different coaches, different systems, whatever, that have taken a, a long time to adjust. Um, I think we have to remember, right. We've got, and he still put up 64 points, right? But no, you Mm -hmm. have to, you have to remember these guys are human beings. Blake Wheeler played in one city for a decade. Uh, he played generally the same style of hockey for most of that decade. Um, you know, under Paul Maurice. So Laviolette system is not easy. You know, you could see Braden Schneider has struggled with it. You could see certain guy, I think Jimmy Vesey struggled with it a little bit. Um, so, you know, look, it's, there's a lot of things there. Uh, that I think are preventing us from seeing maybe the best of what Blake Wheeler has to offer. The guy did put up 55 points last year. You know, I don't, I don't think that's reasonable to expect, but I think something in the 40 range is possible, you know, once he gets going. So let's give him a little bit more than five games or six games to, to, to judge. Um, and, and also let's be okay with our Temi Panarin taking a few extra shifts because he's been in God mode, bald Panarin, as Tyler likes to say, bald Panarin is generational. So uh, he's much more aerodynamic. That's yes. right. He's entering his Lex Luthor phase. It's... All right. <laughs> I, I, I was very glad I came up with that all on my own. Maybe I didn't, but I, I did not see anyone else say it. So I'm happy about that. All right. Next question comes from at Jessica Lynn 312. She writes, I know it's super early, but what changes have you seen from this team in the first four games? Obviously, this is a tweet from the previous time that we were supposed to record, we figured we'd get to it. So I guess the question still holds up pretty well, but an actual head coach. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, uh, yeah, they're much more organized and that just speaks to the impact of the coach, but it's just a much more organized version of the Rangers. I don't think we've seen the, the team this defensively structured maybe since the torts era, you know, I, you know, I know those teams had, you know, a, a, that reputation of, of, well, they run around and block a lot of shots and it's kind of defense first, defense last approach. But, you know, look, they were pretty structured. Torts is a very good head coach. He's a guy who has adjusted his tactics based on his roster, um, you know, over the years. Obviously, you know, the irony of Torts and his reputation as a Ranger was that what preceded him in Tampa Bay was safe as death, right? He was an all out kind of balls to the wall coach in Tampa. So, um I think probably since torts, the last time we had this much structure, discipline, uh, you know, and um, organization in the ranks of the team and and on the ice, you know, it's a decade ago. So that to me is the major is the major change. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and it's good to see because it's exactly what they need. You blend the talent with that, like you said, JL, and that's a pretty good recipe. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'm, I'm I don't right have anything else guys. to say to that. No, that was yeah. perfect. That, that you you read exactly what was on my mind. Can you do me a favor and can you tell me what I'm thinking about right now? Then, <laughs> jeez, jeez. Thanks, James May. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, all right. Enough silly, uh, enough silly shenanigans. Next question comes from at Rusty Hart thirty eight, Mister Russell Hartman himself. He writes. He's one of our own. I have to remember that. Um, it's early, yes, but how encouraged are you? 
all to see the Rangers near the top of the analytical charts this season. I think we touched on it, but we figured we could rehash it again. I mean, it's great. Uh, you know, uh, I think one of the things that frustrated me and, and, and one of the things about, you know, in the aftermath of the devil series was, you know, we, we were always, and, and, you know, Dave, I think, uh, you know, we talked about this. We've talked about this a lot through the years. It was like, all right, you know, can they just be around 48%, 49%, right? Like barely break even with their goaltending and their power play. That makes them a contender. And I think that that was true. Look, you, you, they, they didn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals two seasons ago by accident. You know, that wasn't, you know, I don't like this. Um, I don't like analyzing hockey just based on the charts, obviously. And I don't like, looking at a team like the Rangers two seasons ago and saying, oh, that was all luck or that was all goaltending. Cause like, oh, Hey, by the way, goaltending is a big part of the sport. Like you need a good goaltender and the Rangers Wait, have one of the is. good ones. It right. Is. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think that that's cheap analysis and I don't like that, but I think we also learned in the devil series that the ability to dictate the game, to control the play, to have more shots than your opponent on a regular basis. Right to to have extended periods of time in the offensive zone where where you get the other team running around and tired the more you're able to do that the better your case as a contender is if you look at the 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 Rangers teams that that made the finals uh or the, you know the most recent team that made the finals a decade ago now 13 14 good that was pretty gracious. much their best their best team yeah i know 10 years um <laughs> JL were you still in middle school <laughs> Jeez, Dave, I'm not that young. Come on, I was in college. <laughs> Goodness gracious! I but but that team, was... right? I remember Gosh. reading, and this was in kind of kind of the infancy of this stuff. And I think Tyler Dello was still a blogger. You wow. know, yeah. he wrote going into that playoffs. He was like the best dark horse bet in the in the playoffs is the Rangers because they have really good metrics, and that was kind of predates expected goals. Or that wasn't really. Uh, as big a part of the conversation, they were still kind of even debating shot quality. And, you know, that there was questions about how accurate that stuff was, but just based on their shot attempts, they were a really good Corsi team that year. Uh, and yes, lo and they behold, they, they made the Stanley cup final. So I, you know, look as much as that's not the be all end all, um, it is important. So, you know, to answer Russ's question, I'm ecstatic, but also let's see where they are after 10 games. Let's see where they are after 30 games. Let's see where they are after 80 games, right? You know, I want this to keep up all year because like we talked about earlier in the pod, they started off last season just like this. It's not how you start the season. It's how you finish. And Mm -hmm. it's our barometer, our point in the season that we say, okay, what do we have in the Rangers is Black Friday. That's what the 20 game mark. The Rangers usually have a game that day. It's usually in Boston. I think last year was in Philly for some reason. Um, Mm -hmm. That is that point in time when we say, okay, we have a legitimate contender. And that AV year, I'm going to pat myself on the back for going. uh, That was still when uh, Puck Daddy had his thing. uh, Wow. Yeah, and I was the guest Rangers writer to pick the teams that would come out of the East. And I said, the Rangers will go to the Stanley cup final. Everybody called me a Homer and I was leveraging Corsi for that. And I wound up being mm-hmm. right. So I'm patting myself on the back 10 years later. <laughs> I have a lot more gray hair. I have a lot less hair. And that's a very long way of saying I'm thrilled right now, but we need more information. We need to see how the season goes and we need to keep Ryan Lindgren healthy because every time yeah. he gets hurt, the what's Rangers shit themselves. I don't understand what's gracious. going on with this team. Every time you, he gets hurt, if he misses one game, the Rangers look like shit. There's you know a what question that about that? I think right uh, that from Spozo two eleven that I saw. So I, I was going to say maybe we can get to that. Yes, because, yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that yeah. question in a bit. But I'll just say this: the whole Lindgren thing reminds me of when Sean Avery played here, and it was like the record that they would have with Avery on the ice alone, just on the team too, was far greater. It was a lot better than 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 it was when he wasn't there, which is one yeah. of the big reasons why they got him back after the whole Dallas fracas. And but then he I'll, was I'll... terrible that second time through. I don't think people well, remember how bad he was. I was gonna say, well, yeah, he wasn't great. But then you know, Torts didn't really help his cause either. Like he scratched him. I th- honestly think 
because a lot of people tend to forget Avery was on that 2012 team. He actually was on the team and he almost made the team out of How camp. How do we forget that? They made up a rule about him in the playoffs. No, that, no, was, that, was, that was like 08. That yeah. was 08. That was 08? Yeah. I was yeah, in middle school God. when that happened, Dave. So, you know. <laughs> oh, fuck um, you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but the, the, the thing was, is I remember because he was on... Um, I think they were doing uh, that year was the year that they had the um, the Winter Classic against Philly, and Avery was there. And yeah, he was in the twenty four seven. Yeah, he's in, yeah twenty four seven. Right. Yeah, he was good. He would have been perfect for that team, and Torts cut him, and then he just decided to say the heck with hockey. I'm going to retire. But yeah, through skates the, the in the Hudson po- River. Yeah, pretty much. So did he the, actually the, do that, or was that yes, just one did. of those things? Oh, no, he did. I think he did, but you know, I he mean. Did. Uh, yeah, he, 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 well, there wasn't as much video content on social media back then, which is kind of wild to think about, but I'm sure he would have posted it on his Instagram stories if it happened in a present day. He didn't yeah, post he, a vine. I don't think so. <laughs> but, but before I forget the point that <laughs> the point that I was trying to make was with Russ and answering his question. And I'll be brief with it, obviously, because you know, it's, we have to, we have to answer other questions is that outside of the 14 team, there hasn't really been much of a, you know, there hasn't really been a Ranger squad that I've seen outside of the 14 team that has been really dominant in terms of just puck possession. I think the only time was when Yager was here and Rennie was the mm-hmm. coach. Yep. You know, he had Yager, uh, and and I'll and I'll use multiple seasons into this because both both those years had a lot of good players that uh, you know assisted with that. You had Dubinsky, you had Nylander, you had Yager, you had uh, Straka, you had uh, Gomez, Drury. Um, all those uh, guys were and Shanahan. So and all Avery, those guys, that was that was Avery's and, first tour of duty. That was, yeah, and he could that's play. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and they were all just really good at keeping the puck deep. And you know, when I was on my fight, I was I have a couple of old games on my tablet, you know, for that reason, you know, like hour and change, you know, helps time go by. And I'm watching them. I'm like, damn, this these guys were a lot better than I remember, <laughs> you know. Because no, obviously great. I was I was younger, you know, so some things kind of slip by, obviously, but they were good and mm-hmm. the 14 team was up there and I really hope that we can get something similar with these guys. So, all right. Yep. Next question. So let me ask you guys this. I have a good question. And I know this one's kind of a joke question. Should I get to the good question or should I get to the joke question first? Let's let's How do, do we want to end. Yeah. yeah. Let's end on, let's end on the lighthearted stuff. Let's do one more kind of serious hockey talk question. Then we'll, uh, we'll close <laughs> okay. on a, a light moment. All right, so this is from Kevin at Spozo211. He goes, next to, next injury to Lindgren, and he puts, he puts, it's bound to happen. Are they better <laughs> off blowing up the defensive pairs and getting Miller with Fox? I feel the yes. drop-off in team play is more Fox being handcuffed with the seventh defenseman than the actual loss of Lindgren. I concur. Yes, they should absolutely do that. And Dave had emphatically had also repeated that as well. Yes, for the love of God. Just well, yes, I totally. I'm the, I'm right there with you. And Kevin makes an amazing point there that I never thought of it that way, but it's so true. They were basically just putting the sixth or seventh defenseman with Adam Fox, and I do think that that, you know, as elite as Fox is, which he is, and this is by no means you know trying to diminish his game, but it, it's it's tantamount to when they asked McDonough to carry around the corpse of Dan Girardi, right? And it just it brought oh, McDonough geez. down and. This brings Adam Fox down when he has to play with Nico Mikola for 10 games like he did last year. Or, you know, in this instance, yeah, would do, do they stick him with they stuck him with Gustafson, which is just a weird fit. You know, that that, that was such a weird decision to me. It's too many minutes for Gustafson, who I really like and has been obviously pretty solid so far. Um, but yeah, I just put Miller and Fox together. Let give that the run that it requires to, to cover the injury. I mean, look, I want to say this about Lindgren since we were just kind of, you know, I think you made it a great point about uh, the, the Avery comparison there, JL. Obviously, you know, if you don't look at the numbers, and that's fine, you don't have to. I'm not saying people have to. But if you don't look at the numbers, what you see from Ryan Lindgren and Sean Avery is you see gritty, you know, in your face kind of old school blue ho- collar hockey players. Why it's important to look at the numbers is that when you look at Lindgren and when you look at Avery, they also both have great metrics. Like Avery was always one of the best shot attempt share, you know, shot share players on the Rangers when he was, especially during that first tour of duty. 
Lindgren always has great metrics and they are independent of Adam Fox. Ryan Lindgren is a hell of a hockey player. It's not just the fact that he's the gritty shot blocker that everybody loves. He's, he is miles better than Dan Girardi and Mark Stahl were. And look, I know I'm leery of giving him a big contract. I, I know that you don't want to tie up that much money in defensemen whose game is largely to play defense because that's a replaceable skill set. But I do think that Ryan Lindgren brings actual on ice value in all three zones, and he is really hard to replace. And I do I don't think that the record uh, is a coincidence. So, um, and 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 to to the point of the question, though, absolutely, let's go Miller Fox uh, if and when Lindgren misses some time again. I do think the Rangers have to, regardless of whether or not Lindgren's healthy, I think they have to move Miller up to the top pair <clears throat> just because that second pair is wildly inconsistent. It really and is. it's a product of Miller still learning the defense position. Remember, he switched positions, what, like seven years ago? Yeah. Something he just became effect. a defenseman when he was his teenager, yeah. Yep. And so that's problem one. Problem two, Truba is best known for being able to get up the ice and contribute offensively. Yeah, he knows his he hits, but he's not the best defensive defenseman. And when he was at his best, he was with, I I think it was, it was Morrissey. I know where he it was. was Josh Morrissey. Morrissey. Josh yeah. Morrissey. And that was Morrissey was hanging back. Morrissey was actually probably the better defenseman now that we're looking at it. <laughs> yes. Um, 100%. But he was hanging back <laughs> and Truba was joining the rush and Truba was, quarterbacking the power play and Truba was actually not firing shots into the skybox seats, but (laughs) he was with a defense first partner. And that's what Lindgren is. And can you imagine the hits that Lindgren and Truba as a pair could put up? Oh my God. It's a true shutdown pair. I mean, imagine, imagine that pair on the ice with the Trocheck line too, or the fourth line. I mean, you're not getting near the Ranger net the way they play now with with those five guys on the ice. So I agree. At some no, point I, that has yeah. to happen and you start getting Lindgren away from Fox so that when he eventually, I, I don't know, ha, what's his next injury? I, I don't know. Pick something out of a hat. Like a broken you finger know. on a block shot. It's going gonna, it's gonna yeah, to be there. another. It's going to be yeah. an ankle. I or, think. or, you know, breaks his ankle or something to that effect. Then now you're not looking play. to put somebody on the top pair. You're putting somebody on the second pair. And I think that has to start coming into play at some point. I think that's a great point. And, and, and I think the, it's, it's just the minutes, right? The, the, you're not just uh, asking Adam Fox to do a lot more, but you're also asking an inferior defenseman to play way too many minutes. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. that that matters. You know, I think, you know, I think the currency of, uh, you know, of ice time is just something that fans, I think on a superficial level underrate a lot of the time. You know, especially when it comes to decisions like that, you know, it's like, uh, you know, there are just certain guys that that can be on the ice for 13, 14 minutes in a hockey game, but can't be on the ice for 19, 20 minutes in a hockey game. And when you're playing with Adam Fox, you're getting 20 minutes. So I don't want Eric Gustafson out there for 20 minutes. Exactly. I got, the person right. I was I going to say. I did not want mm-hmm. Nico Mikola out there for 20 minutes, which he oh, was. God. I, I mean, oh, look, it's God. Just, that's, that's what kills you. It's, it's, and, and, and that's, that's the, that's the knock on effect of a lingering injury for sure. And another thing with limiting minutes, maybe by, getting Lindgren off the top pair, playing with Truba instead, you take one or two minutes away from him. Mm-hmm. And maybe now instead of, you know, breaking his finger, he's just got a bruise. Uh, obviously, I'm just having a little bit of fun with the question. No, but, but it's true. Limiting yeah. his minutes matters now. You have to start paying attention to his health. He's 25 and he's made of glass. Um, I, I love Lindgren, but that injury history is going to be a problem. And I don't well, know it's also when, just because the way he plays, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. It doesn't age and, well. They should not give him a big money contract next time. And another thing, too, if you just want to make a point real quick before we move on to our final question, is that, you know, obviously some of the some of the Ranger fans, you know, we've seen it, you know, and I know that the management has, you know, taken a look at past dealings, but you don't want to pull a Glenn Sather and Jeff Gordon and hand big money contracts to a guy like Lindgren like they did with Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi. Don't get me wrong. I I love I love them both. 
They were they were good soldiers for this franchise. Some of the best games that were ever played were with those guys. But especially after the 2014-2015 seasons, I don't think it was exactly merited to hand those two guys contracts that big because what ended up happening basically was, you know, we all saw it. And, you know, for a while they were almost unmovable. Like the fact that Mm -hmm. Mark Stahl's contract was already was moved for what it was moved for was a miracle in its own right. And I think Girardi was bought out. If I was correct, I may Girardi was bought out. And that contract was signed like at the 11th hour. And they had a trade ready with Anaheim. And I did. Yeah. I didn't know that. Do you know what the details were? The rumor and the, the, Total package is unconfirmed, but they had something with Anaheim lined up that included Votnin. Really? Wow. Prime Sammy Votnin in 2013-2014. Oh, wow. That's wild. I didn't know that. That's the one. If that is true, and I don't know if it is. The only thing I know is they had a trade lined up. I don't know the details there. I believe from what I heard, it was Vatanen. And if that is true, if somebody can ever confirm that for me, that's the one I wanted to put my head through a wall for. <laughs> well said. All, All right, right, last one. All right, last question comes from our buddy, Mr. John Cougar, Colleen Camp at Bill Seussville. <laughs> Obviously, with the whole Taylor Swift thing going on, this is where this comes from. You know, with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, he asks, oh, no. "Who'd be the f- oh, who'd no. be the f- who'd be the funniest Ranger to be dating a mega pop star?" <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is let's also just let's call it Taylor Swift. Let's just make it real, right? Let's just say, okay. Oh man. Well, Which no, I think the funniest, funniest dating uh, any pop star if Laugh was dating Britney Spears, <laughs> so we could have the train wreck couple. But <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. No. That would be hilarious to me. Um, but I don't know how many people actually on the younger generation understand who Britney Spears was. Other than I think they do. The she's knife well she's got a book coming out now, too. So there's yeah, a lot of uh, press around her. God. Yeah. <laughs> um, the more the, everything I learn about her is the same with everything I learned about Will Smith and Jada Smith. Oh, I, I don't geez. learn it but voluntarily. I learn it because it's just there and it's impossible yeah. to avoid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say I'm going Capo Caco for this because he's just, he's so awkward and, and I love it. And by the way, too, this is another thing that, you know, actually just relates back to the good vibes so far with this team. The Rangers posted a piece of content after the win, uh, the Seattle game where, you know, Heedle uh, kind of started the post-game speech, even though it was Shesterkin handing out the hat, and he eventually gave it to, um, he gave it to, who did he give it to? Uh, Panarin? No, I can't even remember. Whatever. Uh, Heedle kind of mentioned like, oh, he gave a speech, and then like Kako talked a little bit too, and it was like, wow, like, you know, all of a sudden these, the quote unquote kids who are now, you know, pretty much veterans in the league, this is Kako's fourth season. It's Heedle's seventh season. Um, you know, they're, they're goofy and, 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 and all that, but they're also, you know, they're, they're speaking in the locker room. I just found that to be very interesting and kind of another big shift culturally that's happened, you know, this year, whether or not that's directly related to the coach, I don't know, but, um, Kako gave his little post-game pump-up speech and then literally does the most awkward fist pump of all time. And <laughs> I'm just like, this guy, like it's, you just look at him and like, yeah, he's jacked. And obviously he's an elite hockey player, but you're like, he's a professional athlete. It's just like, it's so weird. He just like does not, he was just so nerdy, so awkward. Um, obviously, Great. you know, think about it is a nice city, right? It's just him dating a pop star would be really funny. So um, yeah, that's mine. I'm going to go and I'm going to say, I'm going to say Lafreniere. The reason why I say Lafreniere is just because he, he gives off that very awkward, you know, but it's like that, it's like that French Canadian awkward uh, where it's just very stilted. And every photo that Lafreniere is in, he looks like he's a deer caught in headlights. So I yeah. could just picture him just like, just like, he looks like the kind of guy that like, uh, 
really over-the-top bombastic pop star would date because he's a really nice guy behind closed doors. Like, you know, you mentioned Shakira earlier. That would be hilarious, you know, <laughs> or like or like even even like a, let's just say I can't even think of pop stars because I'm so old. Um, oh, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> that wasn't ice a slight at you, but okay. Well, yeah, like an Ice Spice or like, let's say he was with like a Nikki or like even like a, oh, Cardi B. What the hell is oh, it Ice Spice? Some, yeah, there you go, Dave. Yeah, there you go. Old man yells at cloud. Um, I ask <laughs> man yells at cloud. It's actually kind of fun. <laughs> it is. It's it's fantastic. It's a big but part I, of becoming a dad is embracing that you are the old man. Oh, it's, well, it's fan- I, I love it. Absolutely love it. Well, I will be there soon enough, I guess. But all right, so we got two for laugh, one for Kako, and we'll get Becky's answer. Hold on, hold on, hold on. My thing for laugh was only for Britney Spears. We're talking Taylor Swift. We're talking. We'll just make a pop star, right? Okay. It's got to be Ryan Lindgren because I can just picture (laughs) Lindgren with broken bones and bruises, missing teeth, and smiling at all these red carpet events with his tongue hanging through his teeth, smiling, (laughs) and then. When they eventually break up because it's Taylor Swift, the songs just they write themselves because he's oh, broken, man. she's broken. The song oh, is gosh. just called Broken. It's amazing. <laughs> I like it. Sure, so you're not like a low key publicist for Tay Tay, my guy. Um, if I, <laughs> Taylor, I would love to be your publicist. I will, um, I, I honestly, uh, you could just pay me $150,000 a year and I'll tell you. Five times, yes, do that. No, don't do that, and I'll be worth every fucking penny. Can you imagine that? Hundred fifty grand. The residuals. <laughs> Goodness gracious! <laughs> oh, As always, the questions are our favorite part of the show. Yes, I All right, love guys. It. That about wraps it up. Uh, thanks for joining us on another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. We're back next Thursday. And uh, enjoy another week of Rangers hockey, and and hopefully the vibes are just as good next week. Uh, We'll talk to you then.